0: Welcome back everyone, this is Tom Parrish, and I'm here with Joel Barsotti, Director of Software Development from SpectraCal. Joel, thanks for being here with us.
1: Hi Tom, it's great to be here. Uh, Excited to be on the show and talk a little bit about color accuracy and display calibration.
0: Alright Joel, I'm glad you're here. I've got some questions for you. What I want to do is better understand about the inner workings of SpectraCal's calibration software. In particular, SpectraCal's AutoCal capability and the ability to generate a 3D LUT automatically using their ColorCube technology. And I'm kind of curious how all this came about, frankly. And I get asked fairly often, what is AutoCal? I mean, can you trust it? and, And it is an assumption that only a highly trained calibrator can do display calibration, and it can only be done manually, and it always takes many hours for every display. Scary stuff for the smaller shops who just want to um, be sure their laptops and attached displays and reference monitors are at or near REC 709 standard, that is, if they're doing video work. So setting the stage here, uh, let's say for the small to medium-sized shops who are looking at improving their post-production quality and paying greater attention to display calibration across all their displays that they work with, There's yet another tool that we all need to be familiar with now for calibrating our displays and it appears SpectraCal has made that process easier for us through some forms of automation. But I just don't really understand what's going on inside so I'm curious. Tell us what is AutoCal and AutoCube? Well,
1: AutoCal is our trademark name for our algorithms that create a closed loop calibration session. And so we're able to really tightly integrate the process so that our measurements, our adjustments, and our patterns that we need to measure are all controlled by our software. And uh, being able to sort of sequence them automatically and, and integrate predictive behaviors into that process enable us to do it in a rapid fashion that the results that, you know, match what the experts can do, if not exceed them. And then as well as uh, speed that process up to take the time required to do the process uh-huh. uh, down to the absolute minimum.
0: So how do you know this approach is better than what a human can do from an accuracy and time point of view?
1: Well, both of those things are uh something that you can quantify by going back and you know remeasuring or doing testing so you know from the accuracy standpoint it being that our software is already one of the industry standards as far as being able to validate the accuracy of display post calibration it's as simple as going back and remeasuring all of those points that were just calibrated and making sure that they do in fact line up with what the AutoCal told you uh, it was able to accomplish. And so um, proving that the accuracy is what it is is a very straightforward thing to do. And and then as far as time goes, uh, you know, you can simply put a, a stopwatch on it and, and figure out how it, how long it takes you to do it versus how long it takes you to try and do it yourself uh, versus the AutoCal. So, and I mean, and with the accuracy thing, it usually ends up being that even if you were a skilled calibrator, what AutoCal produces is you know right there on the best you could possibly do within you know maybe one click of the right result. And oftentimes, I found that AutoCal gave me a result, and I was sat there and looked at it and was like, "Well, that looks like it's maybe a little high," and then tried turning it down a click, and then double checking my results and finding out that I had actually made it worse by by making (laughs) that one-click change that I thought was going to make it a little bit better. So uh,
0: Trust the machines.
1: Yeah, sometimes it turns out that, that, you know, the compromise that the algorithm came up with was the optimal compromise given all of the controls it was trying to adjust at the time. So... um,
0: Well, go ahead, go ahead
1: going to say but from a from an outright accuracy standpoint you know anyone who's willing to put in the time could could sort of match the uh, the simple sort of 10 point grayscale 6 point gamut auto calibration for accuracy because you know there is that best set of values for the controls and and you can find that given enough time but what a human's not going to be able to do is is match that accuracy in that time period
0: so it's not surprising to me To see, considering the time constraints that people have in any given day and the number of displays in a studio that may need calibrating, especially now that you can do all of your displays, that it just makes sense that we start relying on some form of automatic calibration. And to that end, I guess there's that big debate of, is Delta E the most useful term for measuring accuracy of display alignment or not? I think you probably get hit up with that from time to time
1: we do you know people want to know how do i quantify how accurate my display is and what we found is that delta e is the best way to you know quantify that absolute error and you know delta e2000 is the uh you know, newest formula that's available that has the most information cooked into the algorithm as far as trying to deal with, you know, what does an error of three mean as far as if it's blue or if it's red, you know, how much of a difference is that? And so um, Delta E2000 is going to be the most sort of consistent from color to color so a difference of a three looks like the same difference regardless if it's red or blue or white you're gonna Um. say oh yeah those two colors are about the same amount of shift and so that's why we use Delta E2000 as the default in the product and you know that when you go and you look around as far as uh, all of the research that's being done in color science as far as uh, things like people working on new uh, color matching functions and, and different things like that. Uh, all of the research will all use you know, Delta E as the metric to describe uh, how much error there is. And so uh, we find for purposes of display alignment that it fits as the best metric available.
0: Thanks for the detail on that. I wanna take a step back here, Joel. With regards to AutoCube, explain how you came up with it in the first place. One of the things I really enjoy doing is having a conversation with software developers. I've done that for years, and, you know, sometimes people think they're just like dozens and dozens of programmers at a company that are all coming up with these ideas. In reality, it's usually one guy that has a burn to do something and comes up with a better way to do something, or at least an idea for it, and is given an opportunity to pursue it. Is that how did your situation come about? How did you develop auto and how long has it been?
1: Okay. Well, from the beginning, it really was something that, you know, happened way back in, you know, 2008 and 2009. I was, you know, writing code at home in my spare time to try and uh, perfect the ability to calibrate, uh, my home computer that was hooked up to my television and i was you know trying to figure out the best way to get that working and you know in that process i was you know posting code to the internet to try and figure out uh what to do and and that brought me in touch with Spectracal, who then brought me on board to begin working on their autocal code because they knew that that's where the the industry would be heading and they wanted to get someone who was driven to make it happen and so as I came on board we started working on it you know within just a couple of months of me coming on board and we began the beginnings of it even in Calman 3 which no one ever saw AutoCal in Calman 3 but uh, we had it up and running in the lab (laughs) with uh, Lumogen processors and Runco processors and some other things but yeah you know eventually we came out with Calman 4, and we started to introduce different kinds of displays to the process. Um, The first display that we integrated with was, I believe, the Panasonic VT25, uh, which only had a two-point calibration, and then it only supported adjusting the red and the blue channels and not the green channel, and so we had to figure out how to evolve to meet those limitations. And, And from there, we continued to just evolve the process we'd come across a new display and um, figure out that you know on this device that only has rgb controls instead of hue and saturation controls for its color gamut that you know we would have to approach it with a different method and so it's been a uh, a pretty constant evolution where we've come up against a challenge and, and created a new tool for our tool set to overcome those specific kinds of limitations. And, and now we've got a really full-featured suite of algorithms that we apply to any display that we come across and uh, are really successful in in calibrating a single display. And then, you know, at, the, at that point, then we, were, we went to the next level and started looking at the 3D LUT. Technology and that's where uh, we ran into. We tried to take the solutions that we had come up with for our standard calibrations and tried to apply them to our three D calibrations. Because what we found was that our three D calibration, you know, the the technology of process of measuring the display and then validating the display was something that was very successful for us with our initial. AutoCal algorithms, mm-hmm. and we wanted to apply the same thing to the 3D LUT world.
0: Okay, so talk more about the cube calibration or the 3D LUT calibration support that's uh, now built into the software. How does that work, and what types of devices are you supporting?
1: Well, with the cube calibration technology, we started working on it in, oh gosh, what it was it? It must have been it was just early last year, so, you know, January 2012 or so. Um, and then, uh, you know, we sort of took our first pass on it, and uh, we took the same approach that we'd been using for our AutoCal, which is, you know, the process of doing an iterative calibration and to make sure that we can verify that we have reached a point where, you know, going even one click further takes us further away from where we you know the optimum settings for the display and so since we found that to be you know sort of the most advanced method for doing you know standard you know 1d light calibration and the standard you know six axis cms systems uh... we thought we would apply that you know what we had learned to doing uh, you know 3d light calibration and you know our first pass was uh... a little bit less successful than we had hoped it would be <laughs> and and the reason for that turned out to be mo- for the predominantly because the 3D LUT devices themselves weren't designed in a way to be rapidly updated. And so our concept of doing an adjustment and then checking it wasn't something that really worked with the hardware. Yeah. And it wasn't until about December of last year that uh, we came up with the idea of using a virtual LUT. And actually, I wish I could take credit for this idea myself, but it was actually our CTO, Derek Smith, who nice. sort of came up with the idea. And it, and it may even be that we sort of, he came up with the spark that I went off and then implemented. And the idea was that we would do a-
0: Build build it virtually?
1: Yeah, build a right. 3D LUT in the memory of our system and then, and then manipulate the signal that we're putting out so that we could test our 3D LUT in memory uh, using the output of a, a pattern generator that can generate you know, any of the 16 million color combinations that we can do with 8-bit video. And then we're able to plumb the signal and the patterns through our virtual LUT so that we can validate that the LUT is working correctly with the display before we load it onto the hardware. And that took our calibration times from you know hours down to minutes and then started to be able to really rapidly iterate on that and, and get the product that we have now, which is really fully featured and, and uh, very successful at being able to calibrate 3D LUTs and, and get excellent
0: results yeah, and and it'd be it'd be worthwhile sort of mentioning to people that often as you said there the workhorse for the 3d lut itself is a separate piece of hardware sort of like the what is it the mini fuji what was the thing that you guys just? oh yeah noticed? the
1: the well, we didn't release it. Fujifilm Fujifilm, um, yeah. Fujifilm has an IS Mini 3D LUT box, and it's part of their uh, sort of larger video editing suite. But they decided that, uh, that there was a real market for it as an individual piece. And so it's a little SDI box that you put in line with your display, and yeah. your video editing station allows you to create 3D LUTs Fair, and put it on. It. Very, but re- yeah.
0: very reasonable price. So it's like the Lumigen, Lumigen boxes.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's similar in a way. I mean, that one's more oriented at the pro market being that it's all SDI in and out. Uh, It has an HDMI out, but if you don't have SDI in, you know, you can't really hook your cable box up to it. But yeah, (laughs) and a lot of the other devices that were around when we started working on it, like the Sinatal Davios and the... um, like Pandora, Pluto's, and a lot of those devices are all standalone boxes. And so, if you were looking to, you know, add uh, the ability to do a 3D LUT to a video system, you you're for the most part looking at a piece of hardware to add
0: to it. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then there's some devices, obviously, that have that capability built in. But regardless, you got over you got around the issue of the slowness of the transfer of all of that in order to test it out by holding it all in kind of a virtual memory space and, and as you said, doing some plumbing so that you can test it before you push it down in there. So the good news then is, looking forward, uh, this is now all available in Kalman 5.2 and um, even um, works with, uh, let's say, speaking from a video post-production environment point of view, it works with the um, Flanders Scientific uh, Displays, what are some of the others?
1: Right. So, you know, depending on what you need, the, the AutoCal portion of it works with the Panasonic BT 300. And I believe also there, some of the VXs we support as well, I would have to go and check the website to see exactly which, which models on the Panasonic line we support. (laughs) It is. And then, uh, And then we support, you know, a variety of 3D LUT boxes and and video processors, as well as um, we've got a sort of software cube generator since we could do our virtual LUT and basically uh, be able to do all of the testing before we push it into hardware. Instead of pushing it into hardware, we can push it into a file, which can then also be loaded into software systems that support 3D LUTs like DaVinci Resolve and some of the other packages out there, I believe, also support 3D LUTs. And since we then support all of the File formats out there, we've got support for many of the different uh, video editing packages as well.
0: All right, Joel, thank you very much for this conversation. I'm looking forward to uh, um, going back and firing up my copy of SpectraCal and trying this out on some of these displays now that I understand better what's going on.
1: All right, Tom, sounds great.
0: The music you're listening to is from Beat Retreat. Thanks, guys, for allowing me to use that. The track is called Andromeda, and you can find them on SoundCloud. Beat Retreat.